Hello and welcome to another episode of A View from the Top. I'm Adrian Cropley. A View from the Top is a regular podcast from the Centre for Strategic Communication Excellence, where I interview some of the world's leading communication professionals as we explore their career journey. And today I'm talking to a fellow Melbourneian, yet we're very disconnected at the moment due to this strict lockdown that we've got going. But I'm really thrilled to be talking with Danielle Bond, who is the Chief Marketing Officer running the Brand Marketing Communication function for Oricon, and and is a Certified Strategic Communication Management Professional with many years' experience in marketing and brand communication, both in the legal and consulting professional services space. I'm thrilled to have this time with Danielle. Not only is she a brilliant communication professional and a leader, but she has recently been appointed as incoming chair of the International Association of Business Communication, the IABC, and now has a huge job ahead in what I think is a fairly difficult time for our communication professional. So, Danielle, welcome. It's great to have you here on A View from the Top. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's great to be here. It's um, really interesting because, you know, I get to talk to you as a previous chair of IABC and and, and now you get to be chair of IABC. Excited about the uh, opportunity coming up? I am. I'm both excited and at times daunted, Adrian. But, um, you know, look, I think it is an important period in, in business um, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, but one of the key things that I guess we've all seen is the importance of strategic communications to government and and the private sector. And I think our profession has a really important role to play in, in helping us get through the current um, trying times. So, I am looking forward to helping advance the profession. And I'm really pleased and, and, and that you hit straight, uh, the nail straight on the head with strategic communication. And it's great to see the experience you will bring to a role like that. And I, uh, I'd i like to explore your career if that's okay. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take you back to where it all started for you. Is, is this something you woke up one day and said, hmm, I think I'd like to be a communication professional or I'd like to go into marketing? And, and is that what you studied in university? Well, I started out doing a Bachelor of Arts and a law degree. So I was hedging my bets, I dare say, uh, at the time, I, I was really interested in perhaps becoming a journalist. So um, I did, with my Bachelor of Arts, I did Australian history, journalism and political science uh, and then carried on doing law and had an epiphany in a tax law class where I realised that perhaps being a solicitor wasn't really what my life was meant to be. Um, I couldn't see myself spending too much time with the Taxation Law Act. Uh, and so I, I bowed out gracefully, much to my parents' shock, um, from a legal career and uh, went and worked in community radio, actually. Oh. Uh, and and uh, in Brisbane, where I grew up, 4ZFM is a community radio station that started its life at the University of Queensland, where I was a student. And I went and worked for Triple Z as a 21-year-old station coordinator. Crazy, but fun. Amazing first job to get into. Well, we weren't paid very much, I think. Um, But, you know, look, it was. I mean, it was one of the fun things about being um, young is you're a bit fearless. uh, And I had been around the station as a volunteer for some time. I'd been involved in... um, 
some of the creative services activities on campus and it was just a good next step for me and it was great fun and I learned a lot about um, how to work with lots of different people, volunteers, uh, journalists, broadcasters uh, and I was there for about 18 months before um, going to the United Kingdom to do some study, to work in the arts. Escape to the UK bits. Yeah, that's just most most of the population of Australia do that, don't they? <laughs> Not at the moment, unfortunately, Adrian. That's one of the sad things for the world, but we don't get to go very far at all. But yeah, so that was brilliant. And I, at the time, I um, was doing a postgraduate diploma in arts administration. So at that stage, I saw a career in the creative space and went on to work in um, a theatre for a theatre company in the East End of London. Uh, and that was brilliant um, as their marketing manager. So, uh, you know, a lot of different experiences early on. Perhaps the common thread throughout all was, in fact, communication in hindsight. I mean, it's, it's amazing how that thread starts, that's weaving in very early. And I think you've, you've got to do those early jobs to kind of test the waters and, and go, what is it I'm comfortable with and what is it that I, I like? How long did you stay in the UK? I was there for three years. So I am, and you know, at the time, I think there was part of me was thinking maybe I should stay, but for for personal reasons, a return to Australia um, was the right call and I came back to Brisbane and uh, like many people then was, you know, well, what shall I do next? And ironically, for someone that had studied law, my next job was in fact to work for a law firm. Ah as as uh, as their marketing manager so it was it was unusual for law firms at that time to employ people to do their marketing uh, but this was quite a progressive firm they saw the opportunity um, and were very kind to hire me and I stayed with them for seven years uh, and uh, you know during that period oversaw you know with their leadership team, a couple of acquisitions of businesses, so uh, played a you know early role in integrating um, two you know two new businesses to the organisation, um, a sizable national merger. So it was a lot of uh, again I didn't know that it was called change management at the time, but a lot of that type of work as well as uh, internal and external communications brand. Uh, then I moved to Sydney and continued. Uh, with another law firm uh, before then joining Ernst & Young, uh, where I was for another seven years uh, before again moving south uh, to Melbourne uh, to join an engineering company. So I have spent um, many decades now working with professionals. Haven't you just? That's a, what, what an amazing journey to go from, from law and then into professional services with with Ernst Young, that that initial job that you got in the law firm, do you think it was having that that legal background? Because you said it was, you know, it was quite a step for them to be progressive and take on somebody as a marketing role in law at that time. Um, do you think that connection between what you'd studied was the reason you got that job? I mean, I guess so. I think they. I felt just very fortunate that they. Um, that they gave me a chance. So they'd shown some early progressive thinking about running a legal partnership as a business. Um, they'd appointed as their chief executive an accountant, which is at the time pretty unusual. Uh, you know, legal partnerships are um, 
you know, it's not it's not usual for them to appoint non-lawyers to help them run their business. Today, it's much more common, uh, but back in the day, it was not. So, you know, I think they'd seen, um, you know, th- their senior uh, partners had seen an opportunity to think about their business in a way that was not just about the practice of law. Uh, and the chief executive who hired me uh, was was just quite an unusual guy. He'd done a PhD at the time uh, into, um, you know, the future of professional services, which again was fairly, fairly unique. So I feel it was lucky, Adrian. I don't, um, and perhaps a lot of people might experience the same thing as me, which is I was fortunate to have um, the right opportunity present itself to me and I took advantage of it. Uh, But, you know, I could have taken a different sliding door and it might have been a different outcome, but, but it was great. And I, I learned a lot and they were, um, you know, very, very open to um, someone like me learning on the job. To be perfectly honest, I didn't have at the time a marketing degree. Uh, I had my BA. So there was a lot I didn't know about what I was doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, that again was was fortunate. I did my master's much later in my career uh, and I, I kind of regret to some extent that I hadn't done it earlier. But, um you know, I went to the school of you learn on the job, you learn from different people uh, and you look out for those opportunities to stretch yourself. And that's good. And I think looking out for those opportunities is absolutely critical and, and particularly because you've had some decent stints of time in organisations where you've been able to ground yourself and do projects and, as you were saying, you immersed yourself into things like change, which, you know, was a big thing when you were doing mergers and acquisitions and those types of things. How much did they appeal to you? What did you you learn out of some of those uh, opportunities? What what were some of the skills that you built along the way? Well, I guess the first... The first thing that was fairly apparent was that you needed to understand how the business operated as a business. And so I think that was a good lesson to learn early in my career was to understand, well, what's the goal here? And the goal was to help the business uh, win work with clients, do the work well and succeed and grow. So anything that I did, whether it was a communications program or a marketing uh, campaign, was really all about what was the strategic objective. And that that was helpful, uh, I think, for me in, in what then um, unfolded with my career because I was the only person. Uh, ultimately, I, I got to build a team, but it was me on my own for a long time working with uh, – I hired in some external PR firms to help early in my career. I learned a lot from the PR agency at the time. Uh, I – I partnered with different parts of the business um, to learn more about how how does a you know how does a law firm go about uh, building relationships with clients? How do they win work? And it's very much a relationship marketing environment. So again, I was involved in um, winning work activities, um, building. Uh, proposal approaches and early bid design and content development. So uh, that just fearlessness perhaps that comes with being young, that you just give it all a go. Absolutely. And the, you know, and it also feels like a natural fit when you then move into the the world of professional services because you've had some of that 
that background and that that grounding. So in in your work with Ernst and Young, you then developed a, a team. So you you went into much more of a leadership role. Yeah, so the transition from being a, a, a sole operator who's capable to then leading a small team to then um, I was leading a team of 60 at one stage and that was a, a massive, yeah. massive change for me. So, you know, I was hired into EY. Again, ironically, given my tax law experience that saw me leave the law, I was hired as their tax marketing manager. <laughs> and uh, and I was running a small team and uh, worked in that role for a couple of years and then moved into um, the leadership role to run the team in Australia. So, you know, I was, again, um, fortunate to have good people to mentor and help me uh, because it was a difficult transition. I think as anyone who's gone from running a team of four to running a team of 60, uh, making that shift to from a, a doer to a leader uh, for some is easy for me it was it was a big learning curve and for the people that worked for me during that learning curve thank you (laughs) for your understanding (laughs) and support (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah and being at a firm like Ernst & Young or EY as they are now you know, you, you were invested in, it's a, if, if people do have the opportunity to work for one of these larger firms, you will learn a lot. They have significant um, resources to help um, you build your skills in the world of brand marketing and comms. You're a member of an international team. Uh, and there are, that was a wonderful experience being able to tap into people all around the world who have faced similar challenges to you and being able to reach out and ask for help and advice. In a way, it's a bit bit like the IABC, Adrian. That ability to, to plug into that international network for me has been um, a, a, huge, a huge contributor to any success I've had. What, I mean, it's a fabulous opportunity and, yes, it is It is. Difficult moving from small teams to big teams, particularly as a manager. And I think we've all all made huge mistakes along the way. But I think if we do it with humility and and and, and a little bit of you know being humble. Um, we we do get a, a lot of slack given to us at the at the time. So I, I would say thank you to those those people as well. <laughs> but if I look at what you, I mean, you learned as a leader. There. So not only are you leading teams, but you're influencing the business. Um, I'd like to kind of segue a little bit into being a senior woman in in a communication or marketing function in an organisation. What were some of the challenges along the way in your career? Did, um, and did you did you get them, or was it that you you worked in organisations that were really good? Look, I had some good and some not so good experiences. Uh, I guess the first thing that was, um, and I don't think unique to anybody doing our sort of work, uh, but being a a communicator inside a firm of lawyers or a firm of accountants or a firm of engineers, you know, you're working with people that don't really understand what you do, and and so there's a gap there in in sometimes appreciation for the different skills we all bring to the table. So, you know, there is definitely a need for for you to um, engage and uh, show how you can contribute. At, and the, the thing that I would 
when I reflect on when it went well versus when it didn't go so well were a couple of things. One was just the the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and to f- influence and frame through that rather than you don't often have positional authority in these types of roles. So you have to be able to to influence through good listening and empathy and appreciating the the bigger picture and 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 the the job to be done uh, for the organization. So that would be one lesson. Um, look, the other is I don't think I appreciated it at the time, but as I reflect back, you know, I was more often than not the only woman in the room uh, in leadership circles for many, many years. And it was strange and there were some differences of style and approach, which at the time I didn't really understand why I found it so difficult. But with the with the passing of time, I can I can see that, you know, it was it would have been, I think, a lot easier if had it been a more diverse work environment earlier in my career. Uh, but, um, you know, that wasn't the case. I'm pleased that today it's more often than not, I'm definitely not the only woman in the room and that's that's a great thing. Um, but I do reflect on what diversity and, and more importantly inclusion means for work cultures and, you know, we I, I see it through my lens of gender, but I know that many others see it through other lenses. And, you know, that's a huge challenge and and um, it will until we can overcome those things. Uh, I think organisations are the worst for it because they don't have a diverse enough group of people, diverse enough thinking to help solve many of the complex challenges they face. And do you think that we still suffer uh, as a communication profession because, you know, diversity diversity are, are absolute challenges that we, we face across the board now. But also there is that understanding of what communication is and what it does and the value it brings to organisations. And for as long as, you know, you and I have been around that that we've made progress, but I still think we've got a long way to go in in people just getting how important it is for an organisation. Oh, look, I completely agree. Um, when I was um, functioning more as a marketing person rather than a broader brand marketing and comms person, I used to cheekily say to people, you know, we do do a bit more than weddings, parties and everything, you know, because there was definitely the perception that you get marketing involved to organise the events and, you know, zhuzh it up and get a good invitation out and, you know, that sort of thing, yeah. Um, And I think in communications, it's easy for people to say, oh, just send that deck to the comms team, they'll fix it or they'll hone a, you know, a well-crafted piece of content and we can do all of those things, of course, and all of those things, a lot of skill and abilities are brought to the table in doing that well. But, you know, as as we've shared earlier, Adrian, you know, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you're getting the outcomes that the business needs. So, I think that it is partly um, our responsibility as well as the organisations, but it's our responsibility to show the business acumen that we have and our positioning of what we do inside that broader context. 
And, you know, if we don't do that, uh, then we will stay um, valued, but not as valued as we could be. Yeah, to- totally agree. And it's, uh, if we think about, you know, what we, what we learn in our career journey, there's, there's all of those things that we can add the value to, but we, we often get pulled back into that tactical stuff. And I, uh, you know, I, I keep seeing this happen for, for people. What would be some of your words of advice for up-and-coming communication professionals to really demonstrate their strategic value? A good place to start is by asking really good questions. Yeah. You know, so I think you can you can be pulled into a meeting and you can immediately see, because you're a quick study, you've been doing this for some time, you can immediately see the tactical solutions available to help solve or, you know, achieve the outcome that is perhaps the subject of the conversation. But if you dive straight to there... Uh, you are you are positioning yourself as a tactician only, uh, and you're also potentially really missing some key points. So always be prepared, do your homework, and ask good questions that demonstrate that you want to understand, and indeed you do understand the broader context. Uh, I think that's would be number one. Uh, the other is really, um, and I've learned this over the years in leading my team as well because we're we're always busy. There's always more demand for what we can do than there is capacity. So we have to make really good choices and we've all heard the mantra um, that you often get judged on the things you say no to and I think that is without doubt very, very true. Uh, so thinking about your program of work perhaps the things that you're responsible for individually or with your team, just make sure that you are focusing on the things that will actually advance the organisational objective and, you know, say no thank you <laughs> to some things that you know aren't going to get you there. Um, I, I don't know that that's – it's easy for me to say that. I know it's quite difficult because if you if you don't have – influencing ability yet in your career you might be junior you might find it harder to influence that agenda I I know that can be challenging Uh, but in my experience most organizations or at least the ones that are the good organizations that you might want to stay with and build your career with do understand choices are at the heart of how they succeed and so you know I, I would in hindsight, have left um, one of the organisations that I work for. They will remain nameless, but we haven't named them yet, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would have um, – there was a time where I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall and I wasn't getting anywhere, and truthfully, I wasn't. And it wasn't until I left that organisation and went somewhere else that I realised, aha, it wasn't me, it was the organisation. So also – my advice would be go where your skills and ability will be recognised and celebrated in advance. Don't stay where they're not. Three really good tips there is is ask good questions, make good choices and go go where you're appreciated and valued. Um, and it, it's one of those things, you know, when I 
I'm coaching people that I often advise is know when to walk away from um, a job, know when to say this is not giving me what I want and I'm I'm not able to influence this organisation. It's, uh, you know, we could take it back to the financial terms is you walk away from the investment. It's, it's the investment is not paying off, don't, don't stay. Totally right. It's um, it's a funny thing, isn't it? But it takes a while to realise that, um, you know, if you do want, you may not be clear on what you'd like to get out of your career. It might be that you just know you want to wake up every day and go to work, um, either physically or virtually, and have a good time, feel appreciated, and frankly, that's fine. Um, and if you're not experiencing that, then then you need to look around. And it, and it, look, it is harder to do when you're younger, isn't it? We all we all kind of get in there and go, no, no, we've got to stay there, and this is where we're learning, and and so on. But I think as you get uh, a little bit older, making those choices get a little bit easier because you've you've had that experience. Um, Danielle, thank you so much for sharing with me today. I can't believe it's getting towards the end of our, our episode, um, but I'd like to just allow you to give, you know, one piece of sage advice you would give to to anyone about navigating their career uh, from something you've learned along the way? What would be the one piece of sage advice you would give? Be curious and always uh, make time for learning. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Danielle. I, I cannot believe it's gone so quick. But thank you for your time today and thanks everyone for joining us in uh, this episode of A View from the Top and I look forward to catching up with you all next time. Thank you. Thanks, Adrian.